Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of Raking Coals. I am one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and with me, as always, is the one and only Josh Fauzi. Hello. Can you believe it's already been 21 episodes? 21 episodes. That's 20, almost 21 hours. I've got to be honest. I am so thankful that you are back with me on this episode. <laughs> Recording by myself the other episode hey, was... you sounded great solo. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. It's like, you don't need me around. Uh, that's not true. I need <laughs> you around. Especially because when you do it solo, here's the thing. If you, at any point don't have something to say you just can't back off the microphone it's you've got to keep going so you end up being a blubbling idiot yeah okay. and, the, and the podcast must go on it just the show must go on even if you it. have to repeat yourself for a second it's got to go on so I'm so thankful to have you back on on the, the podcast. So for those of you who don't know, Josh and I weren't able to get together last week and record, but we wanted to make sure something got up. So I was able to do a little late night session on Wednesday and got a, a solo episode up. What? I'm trying to remember what happened last week. I was busy Monday, Tuesday. Right, so and came, I was busy Wednesday. You were Thursday. busy Wednesday, and we were both busy Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, because Monday, when as of recording, Monday was Memorial Day. Right. Was it? Yeah, it was Memorial yeah. Day. Yeah. And we were all busy. Right. Because we were all together. So. Right. Yes. Yes. No. That was, that was, it's a crazy week. It's been a, May was a crazy month. Crazy month. It was a very crazy month. But hopefully June calms down somewhat. But you know what was surprising about May? Even with our lack of content, we hit an insane number. Yes. Oh my goodness. That was super exciting seeing that. We hit a thousand subscribers. Yeah. Slightly over a thousand, slightly over 1100. So just want to say thank you again to all of you who listened. That is so awesome. It's a big milestone for us for one month to get over a thousand is I couldn't, I I couldn't have thought that this was ever going to (laughs) happen. To be honest, I didn't know if we would still be doing this in June when we started. Yes. No. You all are saints and all have kindness and patience and the rest of the fruits of the spirit because, yeah. oh my goodness, you guys have put up with us and we love you for that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been fun. And for those of you who've listened and especially like those of you who've given us feedback, uh, there's been so many people who've reached out, given us positive feedback, have told us either in person or via text. It's been really nice. And that just that goes a long way for for us. I know for Josh and I both, when we hear words of commendation, I know it keeps me wanting to to continue going on. Yep, keep going. And if you have criticisms or you want us to talk about a certain topic, please let us know because we want to get better and we want to make sure that we're putting out the stuff that you want to hear about and the stuff that is relevant to you. Right. And what's the best way to let us know, Josh? The website and the contact form there or Facebook. You could message the Facebook page and let us know directly there. There you um, go. You could, I mean, theoretically, if you knew one of us, you could text us. Yeah. Or email or yeah. carrier pigeon or and, something yeah. like that. But I will not put my phone number on the internet. I will so, not either. So, so sorry for those of you who don't have our numbers. You're not going to get it here. But you can head over to Facebook. Yes. And for those of you who don't know at this point, point it's e43 collective or e43 collective.com yes and the website is the best way to get a hold of us because the moment you fill out that contact form and say submit it sends an email to us 
Um, and it tells us exactly what you put in there. So yes. if it's anything that if you want us to reach out to you, there's a place for your phone number and email. It sends it directly to our inboxes. So, yeah. yes. Yeah. So thank you all again. Really appreciate it. Uh, also, just want to say coming up in June, I'm pretty excited. We've got a couple of guests who are going to be coming on. I know that there is uh, still a couple people we want to reach out to. Uh, we might even uh, try to, to get guests on if it's possible. Mm-hmm. Three out of the four weeks in June. It might be possible. But we shall see how that works out. That'll be interesting. Yeah. So I'm excited. And today we don't have guests. Today it's just Josh and I. And something we thought would be good to talk about because I, I think we've both had good experiences with it. Actually, from, from my perspective, I haven't really had a bad experience with one of these. We are talking about common elements in effective small groups. So we're talking about small groups. We're talking about... Um, what might be called home groups, life groups, gospel communities, connect groups. There's all sorts of different names that small groups fall under, and we're kind of categorizing all of these smaller groups outside of the communal worship aspect of your church, your Sunday morning church service. We're kind of clumping that all into this small groups category because here's what's going to happen. Most small groups are going to take the summer off. And come fall, there's going to be a new push and a new launch of either small groups or classes or whatever your church does. And maybe you want to be looking for things that are going to be effective in small groups, or you might want to bring some of the, uh, these elements to the group that you are involved in. So Josh, I'll just start off by asking you, uh, how's your experience with small groups been? Have you had a mostly positive experience with small groups? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there have been some phenomenal experiences that I've had with small groups, and then there have been some lackluster experiences, and then there have been some fabulous experiences that have turned into lackluster experiences. Okay. So it it, it pretty much runs the gambit. Um, I mean, I can think of maybe one where I said I I booked it, and that was about it. Okay. Yeah. I want to start by asking you, what was it about the lackluster small groups that made them lackluster from your perspective? And I can understand where you're coming from when you say some small groups that started off good and then ended up lackluster. Mm -hmm. There are some that have this like slow, painful death to them because the people in the group just kind of sporadically go away. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can understand where you're coming from with that. Uh, just let's talk about some things that that might make a small group lackluster. Oh wow! Um, so I, I'm thinking of two experiences specifically, and it, it's the the one stands out because there wasn't a lot of talking okay. from the group. It was it was very much one person led the discussion, but by led they meant no discussion okay and then it it, that was one of those very like okay if i wanted to listen to a sermon i would have gone to church like i mean not not like that's bad and not like some groups like it was just it was supposed to be a fellowship group where we were all coming and studying the same passage of scripture and it 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 was like the one person said that they were gonna just facilitate which ended up us listening to his opinion on it and then okay just yes 
It was okay. it was interesting. And then the other one I'm thinking of was like it I joined it to but I was one of the older people in the group. Okay. And it was very much gauged towards like your freshmen in college. Like your your college students, okay. like just graduated, and at this time I just I just graduated college. Not not just when I said just graduated, I meant just graduating high school. Like it was like towards that younger adult, young twenties group, and yeah, and everybody's like talking about like oh I got projects, I got this, and it's just like there wasn't that connection because right. they weren't my peers, right? And um, and then the other thing too was like like where you where you like it was. There was a lot of video-based content. I got you. Okay, which I, I'm, I don't mind. I actually think if it's well done, it's really well done. Right. Um, and it can be a very good tool, but it was like you get the discussion questions from the people who make the videos, and then it's just like, well, these these questions are built so that you could go deeper into the passage, but when you just answer the question outright, it kind of diffuses that ability right so yes i mean those are like the lackluster ones that come to mind when we were talking about this yeah and sometimes you too like you find yourself as it's not that the group itself is bad but you don't fit into the group as as someone who is being impacted by that ministry which i think is is just a reality there are people who are going to get different things out of different groups and that's that that that's a reason why I also kind I personally advocate for diverse ages in groups because you you have so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think stage of life groups they have their place, they have their effectiveness. There's a lot of churches who build their small group ministry on stage of life groups. But at the same time, I think you can have a lot more diversity in a mixed yeah. group. I will say though, my favorite small group experiences have always been just a group of people my age, friends, like a group of friends saying, hey, let's get together and just study the Bible for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I definitely think that if the people you're in a small group with are your peers, there is something extremely special about it. Like you mentioned, studying the Bible together. Josh and I were a part of a small group that was awesome. That was mm-hmm. like that. And it was a lot of fun. And so that kind of gets us starting to talk about what we think are some common elements of the the experiences we've had in small groups that are positive and effective. This isn't an exhaustive list. This is mainly just a few ideas that we've had. There's quite a few here. And if you guys think of anything that we could add to this list, please send us something uh, through our website or we post this stuff on Facebook. Put a comment in there and let someone else see. Share your thoughts, share your ideas. That would be really helpful for anyone who's listening to this. So uh, first I want to talk about, I think this is a really good um, kind of foundational starting point to talk about is that an effective small group is going to have people who desire to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, that's just a a big part of small groups. It's about spiritual growth. And it's also going to have people who desire to grow in a relationship with everyone else in the group. Like if you're going there and you don't like people and you don't want to grow with these people, I think you're kind of missing out on what small groups really... (laughs) 
<laughs> really, really do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's kind of a, a foundational aspect. It's for growing in your relationship with Christ and growing in relationships with other people. Right. And it's and, and with that, it's it's not just like your relationship shouldn't just be at the Bible study. It should expand outside of the Bible study. Right. There should be things that are like you, it. The my favorite experience has always been with people that I do life with. And right. that that always makes it, in my opinion, just better because not only when you share prayer requests, is it like it's relevant and it's personal, but like these are people who are with you and they're like they know what's going on. And when it comes to Bible stuff, it's just like here are people that I'm doing life with that might have a different perspective than me because we're doing life yeah. together it's still whatever whatever feed whatever insight they have of the scripture can be relevant to me because yeah. we're walking side by side through life together and it's yeah. i mean I, that's a little long-winded but that's honestly it's that community of we're a group of people who want to get closer together by getting closer to god together Right. So. Right. Exactly. So the foundation of most of the times a small group, an effective small group, in some way, shape, or form, is going to be based on the Bible. It's going to be based on the Bible, and and those are the ones that I I typically prefer. I prefer um, ones that are based on the Bible versus based on um, extra biblical material. I don't think that's bad. I think mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of good books out there. I think there's a lot of good reads, a lot of good right. small group material. Personally, I love small groups where we talk about the Bible. We discuss. I like things that are more discussion-based than uh, class-based in a small group setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I will mention is that small groups, where they kind of became big, was in the ministry of John and Charles Wesley. So the Methodists were kind of the ones who made this a big deal. And kind of finding a little bit of an article here about how it was approached, uh, two things that were really effective in the Methodists' approach John Wesley's approach was that there was a class approach, so an educational approach to small groups. And then here it says the leaders would then also share honestly about their failures, sins, temptations, or inner battles. So there is a sense of education and a sense of transparency as well. So it's not just about growing in knowledge, but also looking at your life and saying, how are you applying that? Where are you strong? Where are you weak? How is how as a group are we going to build each other up in that? And that was kind of the foundation that John Wesley set within, within his small groups. And that's kind of carried on for the last 200 years or so mm-hmm. that it has been. So, so that's been really good. So, so Josh, you have anything else to say before we move on to our, our next well, idea here? Well, so, Mike, here's a question for you. Which structure do you find more engaging? Because, like, for me personally, like, I understand class, like, a class structure mm-hmm. where you have someone teaching and everybody's pretty much listening and asking questions if they have it. But for me, most of the time, like, the, the groups that I really get close to and really engage with, it's... Here we are. Let's read this passage of scripture. Let's discuss it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay. And 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 one thing that I I do want to preface, and we we wrote it down, is like your Bible should be the foundation. Absolutely. Like, like um, like I always recommend trying to go through a book of the Bible as a group. Like we did Romans when mm-hmm. we did our group. Um, 
Did we do James? Did we end up doing James? Because I know we would, we jumped around the New Testament. We a lot. did John. I know we did First John. I know we did Romans. We might have done James. It was a long time ago. It was a while we ago. We did do James. We did do James. We did do James? Okay. Yes. Um, but, but like, because it's, it's important to remember, like, this, the chapters and the verse numbers are all editorial. And I think a lot of people forget that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really easy to, like, like when we do stuff, well, at least when I do studies or have been in part of studies where we just studied a book of the Bible, it's like, okay, let's let's go between these editorial notes because they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Okay, and let's just discuss between here and here. Or let's do two or three or an entire chapter and just discuss. But when we do that, it's we're focused on what the Bible says and whatever's in the passage is what we're pulling from. Yeah. Whatever's in the context in regards to what's in the Bible is what we're pulling from. Right. And it's like, because I've been in a lot of groups where it's like, well, this pastor said this about this passage. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, I trust you. But it's like, that's kind of out of context. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, there's benefit to that sometimes. In, in my opinion, there's benefit to it that sometimes, but in a group, Bible study where you're stu- looking at passage of scripture, just keep it to the scripture. And I know it yeah. sounds super condescending sometimes. Yeah. But like I was at, I joined, I, I sat in on a small group on Sunday and my sister was there. And it was, it became a very much like, well, I know this pastor. I know what this pastor said. I know what this pastor said. It's just like, it's like, but that's not what the passage is saying. Like, and yeah. when I, when I said something, my sister's just like, you came off as really condescending. I'm like, I'm sorry, but like, it's not what the Bible was saying. Like, and, right. it's, and it's really easy to jump around right. and jump off, not off topic, but like pull in from things that are, don't have anything to do with what you're, the passage is talking about. Yeah. And right. I, I think that's something that like you, you got to be aware of. Right. Right. So, so then the question of what do I prefer, like the, cla- the class, <laughs> the class model, or the more studying the Bible together model? Personally, I think each one has benefits. I think that in a class, you have the fact that most times teachers are going to be solidly prepared. They're going to be able to deal with controversial topics, controversial issues. They're going to know the passage a little bit better. They're going to be more solid with it. Um, But at the same time, I think the small group aspect of it where you kind of come together you have a passage you read it you study it, you talk about it together then there's the side of like well everyone should be coming prepared just uh maybe not as prepared as a teacher but you should be you should have done some research and you should have done some exegesis and i've only been part of a few groups where it's been done really successful personally i like classes i like um being able to learn and learn in depth i like to learn from the wisdom of others but it doesn't have the same impact in community i don't think in my experience it doesn't have the same impact in like an actual group that feels like a community that if you meet up at someone's house or you meet up somewhere and you're talking about the bible and each person came they were accountable for knowing a certain amount 
and just came, they talked, they discussed. I think that those grow better relationships than a class does. Even with a facilitator or a teacher who's doing a really good job of getting everybody involved, there's still the element that when when there is a teacher, people are coming and I think the focus is on the learning, which learning is good, but I don't think the you're going to get relationships in the same way mm-hmm that you do when you're sitting in a circle and talking, talking it out. Uh, yeah. And I prefer, I prefer to talk with people ab- mm-hmm. about the scripture. And that could be because I do a lot of Bible teaching, you know, I do a lot of preaching, I do a lot of studying, and so I feel like I, I get to be part of those scenarios a lot. And I don't actually get as many opportunities to have really in-depth and really good discussions uh, with with people because mm-hmm. I'm always in the teacher role. And, and so I value that. And maybe it's just because I don't get to do it as much. Yeah. But I love it. I love that. That would probably be my preference if I was going to be part of a small group is to be one that's focused on like, hey, everyone, we're all going to do our homework. We're going to look into this and we're going to talk about it. Because mm-hmm. it's very much that's kind of like how my seminary classes are. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. It's engaging. I think it's very, very interesting. So, okay. so that's kind of what I prefer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fun. So, Josh, what are we looking at next here? Let's go so, on our next so item here. next thing we're going to talk about is structure. So, when it comes to small groups, you want to keep, at least from our experiences and talking about those, you want to keep the structure simple. You don't right. want to make it super complicated. You don't want to make it super complex. You want to, I mean, say we're going to start at 7 o'clock. Start at 7 o'clock. We're going to start reading the passage. Afterwards, prayer. Okay, yep. and then if if you guys want to, if people want to hang out, they can. I mean, in most cases, it's like, okay, afterwards we can hang out for as long as you want. Yeah. Or, like I've done, I've done the whole dinner, worship, passage, prayer. Yeah. Um, and get a little hangout beforehand. Or, right. But it's like you want to keep it. You don't want to make it something like overly complex. Right. Where to the point where people just get. Board. <laughs> right. I mean, even when it is when they're church sponsored or church promoted small groups, oftentimes I think to try and overly program small groups makes it feel like something it's not supposed right. to be. Right. And and that's weird to say because there you just know. You know as soon as you show up to a small group whether it is going to be one that's about growing in relationships or whether it's going to be about something else. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's all about the teacher just doing their thing. They just want an opportunity to teach and they want a group of people, they want a group of warm bodies who are going to listen to them and that's what they want to do. And there's some small groups that are gossip groups. I've, Mm -hmm. I've heard horror stories and, and you know, those are dangerous. And then there's some small groups that are like, in, very negative and there are some that are very positive there are some that are very focused on prayer There, it just it kind of right. depends and you know by going once and maybe it'll take two times uh, because especially if you're new they might mm-hmm. you know it might be a little bit different because they're trying to welcome in somebody new but uh, you, you kind of get a feel for it very quickly on is it first of all is it simple and second is it genuine? And right. I think like we mentioned here, keeping a simple structure makes it feel genuine, mm-hmm. makes it feel like it's about the group. It's not about a program, not about an agenda. But I think the other thing too is like, once you set the structure, keep to it. Uh-huh. So when you're like, 
when you have when you say okay we're gonna start at seven we're gonna pray do an opening prayer start digging in the word yeah seven o'clock comes okay we're bright because what ends up happening a lot of times is your study ends up becoming just a hangout and then you yeah. never study anything and and that's one of the things it's like there should be a purpose of fo- of growing together and learning together right and you can grow together but if you're not striving also what you can grow together but if you're not striving also learn together it's just i mean it's what's the difference between that and just hanging out right right <laughs> what what is the difference and it's, i think with that there is also the side i don't think you have to be so strict we wrote right, this right, down right, as right. well you don't have to be so strict to where it's like you're never open to getting off track right sometimes getting off track can get you into the place where you're answering the right questions or someone's got something they've really been battling with biblically like and they just want to bring it up and somehow they were able to find a way to squeeze it into this small group and might be an opportunity as a group to tackle something that really needs to be talked about or prayed about like a great example today at church um so we do a more class structured small group after service yeah and uh we had we were talking about Jesus being the sacrifice for us out of Hebrews ten, like the first part of the just. I mean, we we might have made it five five verses in, and someone had a question about the Trinity. Big question about the Trinity, and like the group is flexible enough where the person who was leading was like, "Okay, we'll pause the Hebrews ten. Let's focus on this because if you don't have this." you can't get this and it's 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 one of those things where it's like it that might that is something that that person really needed and it's also a good review for everybody else who was there okay so why not be flexible and let everybody help not help but just share what the trinity is how does it work from the best of our knowledge and talk and answer the questions that are asked yeah and, and when we were talking about flexibility, like that's that's flexible right there. Yeah. And kind of going along with the over-programming small groups when it's like church-sponsored or ministry-sponsored. It's like, what do you think about every small group has to be learning the same passage or the same scripture? I think it's a good, I think it's a good thing to be unified in the Word as a church. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good thing. I think that if if i were to promote it in that way i would definitely say like hey let's do this for a season mm-hmm. let's do this for a season to say that you do it outright all of the time i think in some ways doesn't allow the groups to become what they will develop to be the groups themselves i think they're made up of different people different leaders different hosts they meet in different places different times and they they take on a life of their own i think a whole church going through a curriculum for a season is a good thing especially like if you're wanting a season of revitalization or a season where you're really trying to unify your body because maybe it seems like people are getting disconnected or Whatever it may be, whatever your reason is for it, I think there's good reasons for it, but to say you do it all the time outright, that's the only option, then for me, my question is why. My question would be, why is it the only option? 
for a small group. I think that's when you get into an area of danger, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Um, as well as when everyone's going through the same curriculum, it allows this to happen where maybe there's a person or a couple who's going to a small group, they're invested in the material and all of a sudden something happens in life and they can no longer meet with their small group on, on, Tuesday on Tuesday nights anymore. And it's like, you can jump to another small group. You're still in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. You can pick up there and find another place to plug in. Mm -hmm. I think that's an area where it is good and it is strong. Um, but I do think it is important for small groups to be able to take on a life of their own. And maybe we'll get into this later on, uh, mm -hmm. uh talking about how to structure them, who, who to have come to them because uh, I have a very very um, nuanced thought process on, okay. on who what small groups should be made up of okay. um, but yeah that kind of that kind of hits the uh, the two things we want to talk about there basically looking at flexibility um, being being another part of the structure be flexible mm -hmm. and, and know that and for me too when it comes to uh, attendance and things like that, there's going to be people who won't be able to make it to your small group anymore. A uh, seasonal life is going to change for them. Right. And if you're a small group leader, or you're part of that small group, never take it personally because the chances are, I'll say seven out of 10 times, it's not personal. It's just it didn't work for them or it wasn't where they were connecting. I know for me, um, Haas and I were part of a small group for a while and we kind of dropped out of it. It was a time thing. It was just, we needed a day for us to be a couple and that was the day we could do it. Mm -hmm. And so, so, you know, sometimes those things happen in life. And, and, and so I think as, as a group, you also need to be flexible with the reality that people will drop in and out. Yep. Um, there will always be a core, but, mm -hmm. um, love the time you get with the people while they're there. Right. So looking at uh, another thing here, I think this is really, 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 really important um, to pray, uh, to pray together, pray as a group for the prayer requests, for the things that come up, for the things going on in life. But this is where it's really important. This is when you know whether you have a genuine small group or you're just going through the motions. People in that group should be following up with one another. How is this going in your life? When a prayer request is shared in a group, and these are all people who everybody has everyone's number, everyone knows who everyone is, you guys meet up regularly, it should be natural to follow up with each other of like, hey, how, how are things going? For example, um, you know, Josh and I oftentimes check in with each other, like, hey, how's this going in life? Mm -hmm. And because we talk about things we talk about things we need prayer for things that are concerns things that are we just spent 45 minutes on something exactly <laughs> exactly and and i think it goes a long way for people when they aren't always having to update people um without being asked i think it really means something when you gave a prayer request and somebody else follows up with you and asks How's it going? Right. Because it shows that that person cares in that they actually prayed for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no. I And, and one thing that sharing prayer requests does is it also, it kind of opens up each other's lives a little bit more to each other. Because something that I have found is 
when you truly are praying for somebody, like it totally, it, it changes, like it grows the relationship so much quicker. Yeah. Because you, you, not only are you listening to what what's going on, to the concerns, to the praises, to, to the, the things that they're sharing, but then you're acting on that. And then, and that kind of puts, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, it's this mental thing where you're just like it, it's weird. It, you, there's a connection there because you're praying for them. Right. Okay. And they're praying for you. Yeah. And that's, it's honestly the body of Christ just, and the family of Christ getting together and just saying, Hey, I'm there for you. Okay. And I will take what you are worried about and take it to the almighty. I'll take it to the creator of the universe for you right and and it's just it's it's i have never been in a bible study that i thought was worth my while where there wasn't genuine prayer for each other right collective prayer too like that's yeah. the thing is like praying as a group there in the circle as a group yeah yeah i think sm- small groups are a great place to grow in your ability as as a prayer as well because when you are in a group and you are praying in the group first of all you hear other people pray and you begin to hear how other people pray how they talk to god as well as you begin practicing it yourself because because the reality is prayer is not a performance right prayer is not about performing or impressing god but there is there is a a reality that being quote unquote good at prayer means that we at least know what to say to god and I think a lot of times we focus on the delivery when it's, it's not necessarily about the delivery. Right. You can use use buts and ums and whatever in prayer and God can get around it. But I think it's the people who really know how to genuinely pray for circumstances and understand how to pray and really pray with the focus of God's will. That means that means a lot, you mm-hmm. know, like there there are people who are able to look at circumstances and, and say uh, that, for example, when kids at youth group ask us to pray for them and their schoolwork or they pray or they ask for us to pray for them that school can go well or or that they can get good grades or this. I pray to the end that the Holy Spirit will convict them first and foremost to put the work in because we know that with something like school or even a job, whatever it is, something that takes personal input, you need to put the time in. So my prayer is that that person will be led to do the work because oftentimes when someone's asking for prayer and schoolwork, school is not going too well for them. And the reason why school is not going too well for a high school student most of the time is because they're just not doing the work. So, so that is how we pray to that end, right? Knowing how to pray for requests and, you know, it's not, it's not, you never want to embarrass someone with the way that you pray for them either, but you want to be able to pray in such a way that, um, that you're really looking for God's will in that. You were going to say something. I was, I, so funny thing about prayer at small group. Okay. Do you remember in high school where I refused to pray? Do you remember that time period? I, cause I was terrified of praying or it was, it was like high, it was like youth group. Okay. You didn't like praying out loud. I didn't like praying out yeah. loud and you guys forced me to pray 
every opening, every close for like three weeks. Yeah, that sounds like something we would do. Because <laughs> it was not only a Bible study, it was also a youth group. <laughs> <laughs> and quiz team. Yeah. And you guys, I, you got really comfortable. Pray- I got really comfortable he praying comfortable. out loud really quick. Now he prays but, out um, loud a lot. But the but one thing that I, I, I bring up is like, I remember that group. And I remember a group um, where we would meet at my buddy's house every Wednesday night and we do like a prayer time together because mm-hmm. we were doing a Bible study in the summer and then when school started back up well when college started back up like people couldn't do the Bible study so like, hey let's do a prayer night at this guy's house and um, I mean we see, we would get like 12 13 people just in the same room yeah okay sharing prayer requests and then either splitting off into smaller groups and praying for everybody and like we shared it among the big group yeah. And then split off like, here's three people. You guys pray for each other mm-hmm. or big group. I'll take your prayer request and you take this person's prayer request. And like, we kind of share prayer requests that way. Or like, here's some quiet time where we can just all pray together. Right. And honestly, when, when we're talking about community, I find that like those two experiences when it comes to the prayer were the two things that really built the community. Yeah. Okay, it wasn't the Bible study. It wasn't right. studying the Bible. It was praying for each other. Yeah. And and when it's when you focus on praying and genuinely praying, that's where you find that community building. Like right. I, I know like the past was it last year, this year at youth group, like we've had a group of kids that aren't comfortable praying for each other. Right. And something that you see is like, it's, it's really hard to get them to feel like a community because it's, yeah. it's, they're not, they're not doing that prayer for each other. And right. it's, I, I mean, a lot of times we push prayer to like the end and like, it's kind of like a side note or like, it's just, a, I'm trying to, I can't think of the word right now. But an afterthought. Afterthought. Okay. So, like, well, let's just quickly close in prayer. But it's like, that's that's one thing that's so important. Right. That we don't do enough of. Yeah. And when it comes to a small group, like, that's where you're getting the most community growth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also think it's probably the most uncomfortable part of a small group. It's uncomfortable until it's comfortable. Uh, right, exactly. For, for someone who's not used to it. And, you know, the reality is, is that prayer... Sometimes, you know, there's some groups who are really open and like really open. And if you're new to the group, you might show up and be like, oh, my goodness, this is like this is like community cry time, community confession time. When really it's it's just people who are really wanting to grow in their relationship with God. And they realize the things that will strengthen them and the things that are serving as obstacles, the things that are concerns in their loved ones lives that you know, there's so many things going on when when people show up to a small group so many things going on in life and everyone's getting together to um, have time in community with one another in fellowship with one another and typically coming to study the bible together and pray together and i think that if you're going to grow closer to each other there is a sense of openness and honesty and transparency that comes through uh, in prayer time that you really get to know people 
And, you know, the, the thing that's also really important to remember during those times is that prayer time in a small group should, even for the smallest of small things, always be treated as confidential. Unless the person tells you to tell other people about it or whatever, just let it stay in the group. Yeah. Let it stay between the group. And, and that's the thing is, like, if it's going to be confidential, it better stay in the group. Because yeah. the moment you break that trust, that's it. Yeah. One person breaks that trust that it, it, it becomes toxic. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. But yeah. I think um the one the one thing that kind of goes along with that is that small groups it's for me it's all like it's I like groups that focus on building the community. Yeah. Okay. And and with that it's doesn't always have to be about the Bible. You don't have to meet every week to talk about the Bible. It could be like, hey, this week we're going to take a week off yeah, and do something fun. Or if you're hanging out and you're doing the study and like someone says, hey, this reminds me of this. It's like, okay, let's talk. Like rabbit trails and those, those derailments, those are fun. Like, and we don't have to just like it's you you shouldn't be like saying no 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 we got to focus on this we have to focus on this no it's we can talk about other things okay but i mean we you want it to be natural right okay you don't want to force it because the moment you start forcing it that's when it starts breaking like the discussion breaks down the 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 flow breaks down and people stop talking right People stop tuning in. People zone out. People mm-hmm. clock out. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we're here to focus on this. This is what we're going to get done. But if it takes us an extra 45 minutes, it takes us an extra 45 minutes. Right. Okay. We'll be flexible in that. But this, like, here's our structure. This is what we're going to get done time-wise. Yeah. It could be something different. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big believer in having fun together as a group. I know for for me, a couple of things that we've done in the past with some of my favorite small groups for fun is going to the movies together or having a movie night or a game night i love board games or just every once in a while just getting together eating having a discussion about life things we like hobbies we have i mean josh and i we have another podcast the after sunday discussion where we just talk about life because we'd like to you know we love ministry we love the church that's why there's a lot more raking coals episodes than asds but if it wasn't for the after sunday discussion i don't know if there would be as many raking coals episodes because it's it's the uh, a debrief it's a it's a just okay. Let's talk about all the fun things going on, right. and I, I, I that's we do that because we're good friends. Right. And I think when you're a small group, if you are having fun together, you're doing things that are beyond Bible study. It's a good sign that you guys are friends. Now you can go one way and make it all about friendship and all about just doing uh, fun things, and you never get back to the Bible. And I think in some ways that would be really dangerous, uh, especially if you are, are trying to have fellowship with God. But I, I think that both things need to exist. I, but that kind of goes back to meeting with purpose. Right, right. And, and making sure that, I mean, the difference between this and just hanging out is right. this is what we're going to focus on for at least a little bit. I right. Mean, and I, that's... 
but you should be having fun. Yeah. You should be coming together because you want to come together. Yeah. It's not, oh, I got to go study this week. <laughs> In the more quote unquote formal aspect of small groups, the Bible study portion of it, the the prayer, the the small structured part of it, like Josh is mentioning, should be fun. It should be enjoyable. And with with groups that are close, with groups that really enjoy getting together, it it is. I know for for Josh and I, when we had a small group, we were a group that met uh, pretty consistently for two years. Uh, we were junior. I was a junior and senior in high school. Josh would have been a sophomore, junior uh, in, in high school during that time. It was solid. It was awesome. It was fantastic. And we were committed, man. We we, we did our Bible study every week, and we gave it a lot of time. But still, every every week I we were also a lot of trouble because of curfew. We were we were having fun together. We were staying up late. We were hanging I will, out. It I was will good. say though. Like, so talking about, like, a phenomenal experience that became lackluster. So that was a group that did that. Yeah. Because it was phenomenal for those two years. Right. And then as people start moving away and that core kind of start breaking up, like, there was a big push to kind of keep it going. Mm-hmm. Almost to just keep it going. It became part of the program. It became part of the program. And, and, that, and the moment that happened, Okay, it it started becoming a weekly chore. Like, like yeah. if, if that makes any sense. And oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, and I think I mean, our audience knows too. Yeah. But I mean, so you're talking, and the thing is, is like that, that, that Bible study, and I use air quotes in that. I mean, it didn't become a Bible study of friends. It became more of a, more of a class setting when you got into year four. Four. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, that was, I mean, that, that, and that iteration after yeah. those two, those initial two years kind of stick, stuck around a lot longer than it should have. Yeah. And that was very much because it was being forced in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean. And, and I think too, and this is where I'll mention it. Who you should be in a small group with. Maybe it's people in a similar stage of life, people who you would consider to be a peer. But I really think it's important to like being around the people in a small group. And I know talking on this level with a church-related and ministry-related thing is tough, right? We're all united in Christ. We should all love each other. We should all enjoy spending time with each other. But let me put the illustration this way. There are some people my age who would love to go to their grandparents' pinochle game every single week. There's some people who would love it and some people who would get a lot out of it. There are other people who that's not their cup of tea. That's not their thing. That's not where they're experiencing community. That's not how they enjoy spending their time. Not that you wouldn't love your grandparents, not that you wouldn't love their friends, but that's just not how you want to spend time with your grandparents, right? So you can still love people in your church, you can still love your church family, you can love seeing them and talking to them, but maybe there's just certain people in your church who you can grow in a small group with and certain people who you don't grow as much with. And 
this, I, I would love to have a Bible verse to throw out at you. I would love to be able to say that Paul or John or Peter doubles down on this idea, but it's not in the Bible. But I do think that you should be in a position where you enjoy being around the people in your small group. And there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, we'll try to find another group. And before it gets to the point of where you don't like the group. And and so, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, And I think there is nothing wrong too. Now every church has their own way in which they go about setting groups up with. There's nothing wrong with identifying people who you like spending time with in your church and as a group saying like, hey, let's form a small group. Let's meet up. Let's have it be something informal like us and a few friends get together. Uh, avoid being a clique because um, that's a real good way to become a clique. Mm-hmm. And it's tricky and it's tough. But at the same time, you know, I we saw it work out when, when we were just kids, Josh. We saw it work out. It was never a clique. It was always open. It was always real. Um and, and I think part of it was that the group itself was very welcoming. So I think also as a leader, small group leader, make sure your group goes out of its way to be welcoming. And, you know, be also be willing to, to not be offended if mm-hmm. people go to a different group because it probably wasn't totally personal. It probably right. wasn't personal at all. And so that's kind of my yeah. two cents on how to but find a group. with that, though... I think it's really important when it comes to size yeah, to address that you don't want to get to the point where, and the way we wrote it down was where everybody doesn't know everybody. You want to keep it at a size where you know everybody, you know everybody's name, you understand where they're coming from. Like you, you know them. Right. And um, we could call it the cheers principle. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Minus the bar. <laughs> right. <laughs> Minus the bar. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, that's the thing is like when, when you have, when you get to the point where people start not knowing each other. Right. You've gotten too big and it's no longer a small group. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it becomes church. If, if someone is regu- has regularly been coming to a small group for a while and they still don't know everybody's name... That either means that they haven't been in that many groups together or there's too many people in the group for people to keep track of everybody. And I think that that's kind of, that's the antithesis of what the group is supposed to be, really. And and that doesn't mean that you have to talk to everybody like in depth long, for a long time every week. Yeah. But I mean, you at least know everybody and you talk to them at least somewhat. Right. Regularly. Like, I mean, because I'm thinking like that one prayer group that I was in, like we had 15 people in a small apartment every week. And it was just like, okay, I'll talk to like, I'll like, I found myself talking to this group of people this week and then talking to these four other people the next week. And then like two people from those four and two people from these four the week after. But we were still all talking. Right. And it's just like it's like that's good. That's that's great. Okay. It's just when you get to the point where it's like, okay, these people have been coming here for three weeks and I have no idea what their names are, like you've gotten too big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've gotten too big. And like I I don't think that 
a bigger group is bad. I don't even think like a group of 20 people is bad um, if it still feels like a tight-knit community. Yeah. And, you know, the, the truth is it could be a group of 20 people and 10 of those people are really introverted mm-hmm. um, and 10 are really extroverted. And, and what's interesting about that dynamic is the extroverts will probably drive a lot of the conversation, but the introverts will come in every once in a while with that massive wisdom, right? And, and there's good balance there between introverts and extroverts. Yeah. Um, but also I think kind of looking at the last thing I want to say here, uh, I think group size and, and all of that kind of takes care of itself. You want to make sure you know everyone in the group and the group doesn't feel too big. Um, and, and lastly, I think one of the oppositions that people have or I maybe apprehensions or fears of of wanting to we'll say specifically lead a small group is worried about well how much do I have to prepare what does my curriculum have to be how much am I going to have to put into this and I would say in that don't stress too much about that because there's a lot of things you could use that'll drive discussion if you are able to drive a discussion well, then I think a small group can be really effective. You can even have discussions based on the weekly sermon, which everyone either heard on Sunday or has access to via the internet. It's a great way to start. Um, but, But don't stress too much about it and don't let it hold you back from if you're feeling led to lead a small group or host one or have it in your house. Don't let that hold you back because there's a lot of options out there and just remember, the small group is not about you as the teacher or leader or host. It's about the group coming together and growing together and growing in Christ together. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, really, as basic as you want to get, just have a Bible open as your curriculum. Right. And yeah. just, I mean, because just, just read a passage and say, okay, what stood out? Right. Why did it? And then just expand on the answers. Why did it stand out? What it? When you read that, how, like what? It, what does it say to you? What yeah. are the insights that you're taking from it? Yeah. Okay. How does it fit in the context? Yeah. Okay. There's your. There's, I mean, it, as simple as that. That's mm-hmm. your curriculum, and and that's the thing is like, there's a lot of things you can do. You could do book studies. You could do, um, but I think the the important thing when you're talking about the study part. Right. Of a small group, it should be founded in the Bible, even if it's yeah. curriculum based. Absolutely. Okay. If it's a book study, it's like no. Okay, here's the scripture that we're looking at, and be able to say, okay, what does the scripture say? <laughs> exactly. Um. But yeah, no small groups. I lo- a great small group is great for the soul. It really Absolutely. is. It's so good. Yeah. And like it, it's funny because. Like, I would personally go to a small group that wasn't programmed by mm-hmm. ministry. Like, I'd rather go to one where it's just a group of people that I know that want to meet up every week. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, that's my personal preference. Right. Um, but I know people who love going to men's ministry or, like, there's, you know, the small group that I do like that's, like, a ministry, uh, 
was it Bible Bible Study Fellowship? Oh yeah, BSF. Yeah, yeah. BSF. That, that's an interesting group because it's not only is it so it's an international organization, right? And they do a very good job when it comes to curriculum. They they have phenomenal curriculum, right? But one thing that I love about that organization is that that's an organization where every Bible study that's under the BSF banner studies the same thing as every other Bible study across the world Mm -hmm. every week. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I know a lot of people who travel for work and the ones who do BSF and are part of BSF, they like, they look, they can find a BSF group in almost every country that they go to. Yeah. And they know that when they go in, on like whatever night it is to that group in that country, they're learning the same exact thing that week that their group at home learned. Yeah. So that when they come back, they're all caught up. That's awesome. But it's also like the and the it's it's a, it's a little mixed of both because there's a class session mm-hmm. part of it, and then there's the discussion portion of it, and yeah. the prayer portion of it. And yeah. It's, they they as a as a programmed small group facilitator, they do a phenomenal job. Yeah. I've heard great things about BSF. I've never been part of BSF. Yeah. Um, known a lot, a lot of ministry leaders who have been part of them. Heard nothing but good things. I, I also think, too, um, talking about studying the Bible together, I also, and I alluded to this early on in the podcast, I don't think it's a bad thing for small groups, at least in some capacity to expect people to come somewhat prepared to talk in a small group. And I understand there's people who like talking in groups and people who don't, but even people who don't like talking in groups can come with at least some preparation. And I think at the minimum reading the passage ahead of time that you're going to be talking about, because I think you'll find you get more out of it. The group is more effective the group is is better discussion oriented when there is some aspect of hey this is what you got to do before you come it could be something that could take 10 minutes it could be something that could take an hour whatever's fair for your group but i do think try to push it to the point of where people have to come somewhat prepared to talk and i think when it becomes a discussion and there's a good facilitator and leader of that group, you'll see it grow in a way that is, is really special, really, and really good. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's one of the big things. Is like, if you're going to come prepared, at least read it. Yeah. Personally, like, I know people who love listening to their Bibles, and that works for them, but for me, I got to read it. Yeah. Because not only it, it gives, it puts you in the mindset of, okay, this is what the passage is talking mm-hmm. about. This is what we're talking about tonight. And then it just gets your mind rolling on like, this is, here are the things that popped out to me. Here are the things that impacted me. Here are the things that I have questions about. Right. Um, And then it's also like, okay, it's, we're not going in blind and then just coming up with things out of, out of the blue. Then like, oh, I just listened to this 30 seconds ago, but here's my opinion. Yeah. (laughs) Like it it actually gives it a little bit more. Yeah. uh, substance if that's Mm -hmm. how you want to put it so yeah yeah i think there is a a level of where listening to the bible i think is good for devotional purposes and it can be a good time to kind of practice the be still and know that i'm god type of 
mentality and, and devotional time. But I think for study aspects of it, it's good to read it. It's good to read it out loud. It's good to experience it with as many senses as possible before coming and talking about it. So, Josh, I don't have anything else to say on this. I think this is a good place to close. And do you have any final closing thoughts, any closing words as we say goodbye to everybody? No. I'm good. All right. I think we beat this one to death. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this discussion we've had on small groups. Any input that you have that Josh and I missed, because like I said, this was not an exhaustive thing. We have not been doing small groups for 50 years, but we've had a decent amount of experience with it. Uh, Please let us know. And a great way to help promote uh, the E43 Collective, if you guys have time, Head on over to iTunes, give us a review, let us know what you think. All you got to do is click however many stars you think the show's worth, and it only takes about 15 seconds. Helps grow the show in popularity. People will be able to find it easier in the iTunes store, and that helps us a lot. Uh, If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. You can find us there, or check out e43collective.com, where you can see more episodes of Raking Coals or our other podcasts, The After sunday discussion you guys know the drill head over to facebook e43 collective make sure to follow and like the facebook page you guys are fantastic we thank you so much for each and every person who listens to this podcast and as always we say have a fantastic week and a blessed day Bye bye